Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to a little bonus Arsecast, one which is going to deal with a story that's in the news, of course, which is the coronavirus and Arsenal were supposed to be playing football tonight against Manchester City. That game has been postponed because our players came in contact with the the owner of Olympiacos who tested positive for the coronavirus and as such, some of our players have been uh, put in self-isolation and as a precautionary measure, the game was postponed. Um, our, our match against Brighton this weekend is expected to go ahead as normal, uh, as much as normal can be normal at this particular moment in time. But when you look at what's happening across Europe and when you look at the measures being put in place in Italy, in Spain, games being played behind closed doors, uh, no sport at all in Italy, of course, uh, you know, uh, calls for leagues to be suspended because the implications of playing behind closed doors are very big for clubs. You know, it's going to cost them a lot of money if they don't get any uh, spectators in there. It's a little bit worrying and it it does make you think about what is going to happen in England, what is going to happen with the Premier League season and what's going to happen to to Arsenal, of course, because, you know, that is our, our main point of interest. So to talk about the coronavirus and to understand it a little bit better, but also to try and figure out what is going to happen in England and English football based on what we're seeing elsewhere in Europe and across the world, I'm joined by Dr. James Mac- Ernie, who is the head of the School of Life Sciences at the University of Nottingham. Hello, James. How are you doing, Andrew? I'm all right, thanks. Let's just start on a very basic level. What is the coronavirus, and do we have any idea of like where it came from, how it started? So the, so the coronavirus that we're talking about, the one that causes the disease called COVID, COVID-19, um, it's a family of viruses, and uh, there are four of them that infect humans for that we know of now there's uh, there's this particular one that causes covid there's sars virus which you might remember from about 19 years ago there was mm. a, a really uh, strong outbreak of a virus that that pretty much then disappeared within a few months uh, there's mers middle east middle eastern respiratory syndrome virus and there's a common cold and the common cold is a coronavirus as well common cold can be caused by a few things but but it can be caused by a coronavirus so they're kind of a family they look like a ball you've probably all seen the graphics that they put up online and on the various news items it looks like a ball with some spikes sticking out of it and its particular talent in life is that it uh, can attach to respiratory systems and uh, cause infection so how is it uh, transmitted? I mean, I think everybody understands how a common cold is transmitted. Is it pretty much the same? 
It's pretty much the same in water droplets, in coughs, and, uh, and you know, every time you breathe out, there's a little water, water droplet. So things like this. Uh, the water droplets won't go too far. They'll be one, two meters away, and they'll sort of fall down to the ground. So, But it's, it's transmitted in, in tiny water droplets uh, from person to person. Okay. The, the symptoms, what are the symptoms of uh, this particular virus, and how would somebody know... Um, you know, because I suppose if you come in direct contact with somebody who, who has it, then you might take a test or you might be tested and, and, and discover whether or not you have it. But like, how would you know if you were falling ill with this? What are the symptoms that, that might display or, or, or present themselves? Right. So it's a respiratory condition. And uh, the very first symptom would be a, a fever, might be a big fever, might be a very little fever. And then after that, then a dry cough, maybe a runny nose and so on. So it, it, it would feel very much indistinguishable from uh, from a, a common cold uh, for many, many people, for the majority of people. Uh, that's that's what it would, would feel like. If you are coughing right now or you, and, and that cough originated three or four weeks ago, the highest likelihood is that's just the common cold or you got a cough and it's probably not this. If you live in the UK or if you live in Ireland or whatever, it, outside of China or South Korea or Italy, it's probably just that you've got you know, the common cold. From here on in, the, the probabilities change a small bit. But if you've been carrying something for a few weeks, it's probably just that. If you get a new one now, if you, you know, then the probability has changed and you should probably go uh, phone up your doctor and say, look, I've got, I've got a new respiratory problem. Um, and if in particular, if, if, if it started off as a, as a, as a fever, then uh, yeah, you should probably have a chat with somebody about that. So what are the, what are the, the potential effects of this when you talk about it being a respiratory um, il- illness? Um, we've heard it said that, you know, the elderly in particular are, are very vulnerable to it. Is that because basically their respiratory systems are, are, are weak anyway? People uh, with asthma, for example, those kind of things? So, so I think the science isn't 100% solid on this yet. We're just too early and we haven't gotten uh, enough science for me to say that with absolute certainty. What you can say is that there's a huge correlation with age. And in particular, perhaps something that sort of surprised us an awful lot was that the very young, small babies uh, appear to be have, have mild, little, no symptoms, even those with a high viral load. We're not quite sure why that is the case. I mean, you know, the, the life history of other coronaviruses would say that say that babies, you know, might be more susceptible, but it does not seem to be the case here. The vast majority of people that have problems with it, so lots of people of all age groups are getting the infected, but the majority of people and almost exclusively the people that are having problems are over the age of 65. Under the age of 65, it's people that have what we call a comorbidity, uh, you know, complicating factors. So they're they're immunocompromised or they have have an underlying health condition. But over the age of 65, the percentages I'm I'm afraid do go up, and uh, and at that point, these are the people that that are the biggest sort of group that are affected by by the this. Okay, so from a um a day to day preventative um, point of view, we hear. Uh, all the time about how we should wash our hands. And, uh, you know, it seems redundant to say that that's something we should do on a, a regular basis anyway, but I'm not sure it's something that 
you know, um, habitually people tend to do. Anecdotally, I was at a, a cinema a screening last Friday night and I went into the toilets afterwards and there was a queue and it wasn't a queue to go to the toilet it was a queue of men standing waiting for the sink to wash their hands and I can quite I can tell you I've never in my life seen that before, seen that before. ever no. ever and I, I think that's probably a terrible indictment of, of men uh, in yes. particular I, I you know I'll hold my hands up and say look I've been there and done that and, or not done that as the case might be but why is washing your hands on a regular basis whether you've just gone to the toilet or whether you've come in from outside or you've been to the shops what, why is that so important so stepping back a small bit uh, we talk about the contact network or we talk about in totality what viruses like this survive on is the network. That is to say, uh, uh, people coming in contact, it's not a magic thing. It's a real just particle and it has to pass from one person to another. And so mm. the, the a major way of doing that is by shaking hands or by touching things that other people's hands have touched. Your hands are in general kind of filthy. <laughs> right, they, they, you know, they, they touch all kinds of things, and then when you start touching your nose and your mouth, that's the transfer event there. So coughing might do a little bit of it, but if you just cough into your hand, shake somebody's hand, right? You move mm. it from your hand to their hand, and then they touch their nose, and there you have it. You've completed the the, the 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 movement from one person to another. So what we're trying to do right now is to interfere with that network, and what we talk about is what we call or naught or or zero, it is the number of people that get infected by an infected person. Mm. And that's a really important number. So on average right now across the world, one infected person will give it to two and a half other infected people. We control this if we can reduce that number down to one or below one. So if on average an infected person doesn't pass it on at all, well then we're, we're, we're winning. We're winning the game if we can get to do that. Right now, the virus is winning because on average, one person is passing it on to two and a half people, washing our hands, staying away from crowded areas, all of those things break up that contact network and can slow down and reduce the impact of the virus. Okay. Um, one of the things that um, I'm seeing, certainly as I've been talking about it a bit this week on, on the blog, and uh, because there are implications for football and, and what have you, which we'll come to in a little bit, is people saying, well, you know, people are overreacting here. You know, this is a lot of panic over nothing there. The flu has been with us for years and X amount of people die every year from flu. Why are people losing their reason over this? Um, can, you exp can you answer that? Right. So when, when you have the regular flu, very early on in the flu outbreak, because we've, we've known about the flu for so long, we can make a vaccine. I get the flu jab every year. I've already broken up that network by getting the flu. I'm useless mm. to the flu. It can't live on me and I will never pass it on. So I've already brought, brought down the, you know, the, the, the advantage to the flu. So we have, we have that, we have Tamiflu, we have drugs to interfere with it. So in other words, the world is always prepared for the flu. We're not naive. This new coronavirus, we're naive. And that's where, where part of the problem lies. The development of a vaccine is still probably several months, if not a year away. And, uh, and we have no known drugs, though we have some good prospects. We've no known drugs to interfere with it. And that's kind of the thing that's worrying us a bit. In terms of infectivity, this is about flu-like. It's more or less the same. But in terms of lethality, or what we call the, the case fatality rate, this could be 10 to 35 times higher than the flu. And the problem is 
that the case fatality rate is higher, but also we're naive. We don't have any defenses against it. And those are the reasons why scientists are, you know, we don't jump up and down every year about the seasonal flu. You, you don't see us doing that. Mm. We didn't really jump up and down about Zika virus or Ebola because we kind of knew what was going to happen there. Or even SARS and MERS, not so much. But this one we are. And I don't think we're sort of, you know, we're the kind of people that that do this every five minutes. We, you, know, you, you probably haven't interviewed very many, uh, uh, you know, microbiologists. Uh, no. Uh, but yet, this is where we are today. Yeah, you're the first one uh, to, to oh, ever oh, be on okay. this podcast. So, 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 so I think maybe even that that stat alone means that we're probably in a, in a slightly different place. I haven't done as many radio and other interviews, uh, you know, ever, uh, and it's because. It just really is different. So, is it, the newness of this is that what is that what's causing maybe the scientific community uh, more worry because there's no there's no real understanding of what it might do or how it might spread or or how quickly. I mean, obviously, you can look at what's happening in in certain countries. You can look at what's happening in in China, the way it's. Um, it's been handled there and in South Korea, but obviously, you know, closer to home, we're looking at what's happening in Italy, and it seems like it's it's um, really, really uh, taken hold there in a big way and, and causing huge problems, um, particularly in the north of that country. Yeah, so the, the vi- this virus is nothing if it's not consistent. If you look at the rate of increase in cases in China, South Korea, mm. Iran, Italy, Germany, and even now in the UK, where we're at a very early, I'm, I'm in the UK right now, where we're at a very early stage, they're almost entirely the exact same. The rate, the daily rate of increase in all those countries, on average, if you average them over over, over weeks, is about a 33% increase every day in the number of cases. And that corresponds to a 33% increase every day in the number of fatalities. So so that is, is, is an amazing thing, that it has been so consistent across the planet. The one per place that changed it was China. And they just did the most radical things that you've ever seen in your life. They built a hospital in three days. They put the army on the streets. They did all of that. And that's all to break up this contact network that I'm talking about. Mm. So in doing that, I'm not quite sure how long China can maintain that. I mean, it must be incredibly depressing to be there in Wuhan right now and have that kind of life. But um, but leaving that aside, that particular situation, this virus has been remarkably consistent and it would be the same in the UK and it would be the same in Ireland. It so, would be the same in America. Yeah. So that's, I mean, I think that's the, the worrying part of this is that as we look at what's happening in Italy, there's no reason to think why the UK would be exempt or Ireland would be exempt or or the US would be yeah. exempt in particular you know I'm thinking about what's happening in the US and how the CDC prevented testing going on there I mean how big an issue is is testing and the levels of testing that are going on in countries how big a part does that play in a identifying the 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 strength of the I don't know whether you call it an infection or how how many people are infected, but but the the the, vir- the virility almost of this thing. Yeah. So 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 testing, of course. Again, it's the, we're, we're we're trying to do all the one thing: bring down the network, stop the contacts. And if you don't know somebody's infected, and remember, fifty percent, at least fifty percent of people are getting this infection and they're perfectly fine and they really don't even know they feel a little bit maybe not so good but they don't bother their medic they don't they don't turn up and so that's but they may be passing it on Mm. and so testing is a way of saying aha 
you might not feel bad, but you actually have a viral load. Could you go home and isolate yourself for, for a week or, or 10 days or two weeks? And that breaks up the network. Then that person is taken out of the equation and they're not passing on the virus. So everything we do at this point, because we don't have a cure and we don't have a vaccine, everything we do is to try to, to, to break up that network. And part of the reason that we're really, really, you know, I know that there's a lot of mild cases, but part of the reason that we're really trying to do that is to try to stop the overwhelming of the medical resources that we have. Because you see in Italy, they're just overwhelmed. Yeah, it looks to be um, on the brink of, of collapse there, the medical system. So um, let's sort of move it slightly towards sport because... Um, Across Europe, games are being played behind closed doors. In Italy, all sport has been suspended until the 3rd of April. Um, people might think those measures are, are over the top or draconian, but as you say, they're in, intended to, to you know, stop that, that contact network, right? Yeah. Um, you know, is there a case to be made uh, when it comes to England and, and football in England that the sooner those kind of measures are put in place the sooner you you put the brakes on that contact network and that it shouldn't be a case that okay look we've only got 22 cases oh well look we've only got 50 cases oh we've only got 100 cases you know if you're looking at if if the the medical people or who are advising the government are looking at what's happening elsewhere why aren't they saying now we should we should put a stop to things so you don't exacerbate the the impact of this illness. So um, th there's there's all kinds of things in terms of sh of closing down events. You know that you know people will do something else if you close it down. You know then mm. so I think there's a little bit of understanding exactly where things are. And the other one then is is. To be honest, I think people need to sort of get to where they're fully understanding where what's what what we're trying to do. Um, what I mean by that is, you know, uh, like if you cancel a parade, then people just go into the pub and you haven't fixed anything there, right? So, so mm. there's a little bit of people accepting that that games have to be stopped. Or, or but um, in answer to your question, then about should we do this now or wait until next week or the week after or something like this? Public Health England are looking at that. They say that they're modeling this and uh you know with the incidence so low in the beginning i mean they, they say that it would have minimal impact if we did or didn't run games right but i think they're they're saying that for sure there will come a time when they'll stop when they when they say they should be stopped there's also i, I suppose the, the the thing you know what occurs to me is like you know being in ireland and everyone was ready for saint patrick's day next week and the parades that take place in dublin cork limerick all the big cities and all the towns across ireland you have these parades and of course i think everybody understands you know on a basic level if you've got lots of people in one place the chances of of the virus spreading are, are higher if you've got one or two or five or ten people who might be infected with it in that case there's also the 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 players and the sports people involved because what was uh, hilarious to me was that this last weekend the Premier League said right before the game absolutely no handshakes between the players you know the, we're we're aware of this virus so no handshakes but of course the players are running around and they're spitting on the pitch <laughs> and they're you know they're they're grappling with each other and they're jumping and they're you know someone scores and they all jump on top of each other and and that kind of stuff there is the sort of players to consider as well in this yeah 
Yeah, there is. And, and you know, I, I guess, you know, you just have to emphasize to the players, if you're going to let the game go ahead, that you just try, try your best in advance to make sure that everybody that's playing isn't carrying an infection with them. Mm. And uh, and then you just say, you know, please leave each other alone out there you know, when, you're, <laughs> when, you, when you get a goal. But I mean, at the same time, you've got to tackle the opposition as well. So, you know... Um, <laughs> To, to be honest, if ever if everybody was feeling pretty okay right now, uh, with the with the the incidence so low, and uh, you know if you could test everybody in advance, then you could run a game, right? But um, but uh, uh, I don't know if they've gotten to the stage where they're where they're able to do that. No, I, I, Arsenal, you know, the, some of the players are in self isolation because they were in contact with the 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 owner of Olympiacos who revealed this week that he had been infected and so they've told him to go home the incubation period that they're looking at is February 27th when that contact took place to to Thursday uh, of this week um, that would be 14 days and if the players aren't showing symptoms um, the, the 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 way the club are looking at it is they're they're testing when there are symptoms uh, showing is that the right way to do it Um I, 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 you know, the, the, the te- I, I understand these footballers get paid quite a bit of money, so the test isn't very expensive. Yeah. Uh, so, so I mean, it could, could be something that you could do continuously. It's just, a, it's just a throat swab. So you could do that fairly often. I don't know why they might sort of yeah. just wait until the, somebody has 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 symptoms. They said they were, you know, were, um, working with the guidelines. Um, what the exact quote? We're following the guidelines. Tests are done when symptoms display. But it right. seems to me that if you are um, and have been in contact with somebody who had the virus, whether he was, you know, um, infected at the time, we don't quite know because of the incubation period. It just strikes me that it might be a good idea for mandatory testing to take place, even if games are being played behind closed doors. Right. There may be a couple of other issues, including mandatory testing. I mean, there may not be the personnel. It may not be possible to do that. You need you need labs. You need right. labs that have particular facilities, and uh, it may be seen as you know, no offense to anybody, but, but, but testing footballers so they can play football compared to sort of you know trying to look at society sure, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so on. And so uh, you know, there may be political issues if, like that, if you like, uh, coming into play there as well. Okay. Well, I mean, just trying to look forward and trying to predict a little bit about what's going to happen we're looking at italy now in in basic basically in lockdown where no no flights are going in and out some of the football matches due to take place this week were not were not taking place because travel either to italy or from italy is not allowed um their uh, their sport is in shutdown as we know is it is it just inevitable that the same kind of situation is going to occur in the UK um, for the, all that that might mean for however you know football seasons um, are due to finish in May etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, I, I, I know at the end of the day football is not the most important thing in the world and something like this which could prove uh, very dangerous for many many people um, you know that's got to be the priority but just trying to extrapolate what we're seeing right now based on where Italy was, let's say, two weeks ago compared to where the UK, Ireland, the US are now. I mean, yeah. is, is there any way that it, it could be different? 
There is no evidence that it will be different. Um, and there's no uh, reason so far for us to um, to expect it to be very, very different in terms of the cases and so on. Uh, I think you know, differences might include the distribution of the cases throughout the country and throughout hospitals. Mm. I know that it was very concentrated in Lombardy in, in Italy, at least initially. So things like that might be different. But if you look at the number of cases and their increase per day, um, the UK is Italy from two weeks ago. And that's on a daily daily basis. So just to conclude, you know, without wanting to terrify everybody, um, and as you say, many people will, will contract this illness and not even necessarily know that they have it, but everybody's yes. got friends and relatives and grandparents. It's very important to, to emphasize that the vast, vast, vast majority of people will be perfectly fine. Mm. But the responsibility that I think we all have to each other, just as human beings, and obviously to our families and friends and those kind of things, is there any particular advice beyond being vigilant, beyond being sanitary and washing your hands that, that you would give to people? Um, you know, I suppose you can feel almost the beginnings of, of some panic in the way that people are acting and, and what have you. If you were to sort of dish out one or two pieces of, of solid advice to anybody listening, what would they be? So first of all, the panic is panic is pointless. There's absolutely no reason, need, or anything for that. You know, there's no point stockpiling piling toilet paper and all of that sort of thing. There really isn't, because because you know those shelves will be full again tomorrow. It'll be fine, right? So so so, but have a plan. That's a that's a good thing. You know, so if you, your partner, your you know somebody in the family becomes unwell, how would you deal with that? What will you know? What, what's the thing you would do? So so just you know just. Think it through in your head. You know what, what's what's the thing that that's really important. You know, you're looking after the dog. Who'll do that if I'm if I'm in bed all day, mm. day long? Just you know, it's simple things like this. And then the other things are, you know, keep washing those hands. You know, then then, then that's you know the advice, and that's a very very good way of doing it. And the idea, the principle here is to not overcome the health services because good healthcare out outcomes will depend on the hospitals not being you're overrun. So if you can stay healthier for longer and stretch this whole thing out, rather than have it all happen in three weeks or two months or something like this, if you can stretch that out, then you're really, really helping. And that's your contribution to society. So don't panic, have a plan and wash your hands. Okay, good advice. I think people can follow that fairly easily. Um, Dr. James McInerney, thank you very much indeed. No worries. Thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
That was Dr. James McInerney, who is the head uh, of the School of Life Sciences at the University of Nottingham. Thank you very much again to him for his time. If you want to follow him on Twitter, you can do that. He is at J.O. McInerney, at J.O. McInerney. And look, based on what he said and what the uh, experts are telling us, the the spread of this virus is going to have an impact on, uh, obviously, life and society and all of us, but of course, football and the Premier League and sport in England and and everything else. It seems like there's no way um, of avoiding that. It's just about when those decisions are made, how quickly they're made. And after that, we have the debate and we have the discussion about, you know, what what it is that we do from a sporting point of view. I think that, of course, is a secondary uh, consideration, of course, because people's health and people's well-being and everything else is by far the most important thing. So please do follow the advice uh, that James gave you there. Stay well, stay safe. Um, and stay healthy, uh, fingers crossed for for everybody out there. Um, again, without wanting to uh, turn this into uh, anything that's going to make people panic, but uh, it's just been announced as uh, I'm recording this that the World Health Organization has declared COVID-19, the outbreak, a pandemic. Um, but as James said, there are things we can do um, to stop the spread or contain the spread. So it's incumbent on all of us uh, to do that as much as possible. Right, on that upbeat note, I'll leave it there for now. There is still a game scheduled for uh, for Saturday against Brighton. We don't have a, a great deal of time to prepare for that. Some of the players won't be back in training until Friday because of their self-isolation. Uh, how many more Premier League games there are left this season? We'll have to wait and see, but we will have another podcast for you this week focusing on the football. And, uh, you know, the unfortunate thing about this is that it is something that is going to be with us today, tomorrow, and for quite some time into the future. So it is going to inform a lot of what we talk about, a lot of what we do, a lot of how we behave, and there's no escaping that. But as much as possible, we'll try to give you a football podcast uh, to help us escape a little bit from the relentlessness of this uh, particular thing. So look, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed this particular show. If you liked it, if you find the information useful, please feel free to share it, spread it far and wide. That seems like an unfortunate thing to say, but you do know what I mean when I talk about that because the more information all of us have the better we'll all be Uh, until the next one thank you for listening cheers bye bye Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 